So 7.33 nearly, and as the world's worst affected country in the COVID-19 pandemic so far, has Italy been abandoned by its fellow EU members, which have closed their borders and been guarding medical resources, described as zealously doing so, in fact. But to find out more, we can welcome on the line Elizabeth Braw, Senior Research Fellow at the Royal United Services Institute for Defence and Security Studies. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a kind of um, unusual conversation to be having uh, if we consider just a few months ago we were talking about the EU as a beacon of freedom of movement and and Britain moving away through Brexit. Uh, Is there some irony in there somewhere? Uh, How do you view the situation overall? Well, well, there's definitely some irony there in that uh, EU member states are closing their borders now because they're uh, obviously concerned about uh, people uh, entering their countries, uh, bringing the coronavirus uh, outbreak with them. So, yeah, closed borders uh, is um, is what we are seeing now within the EU. I guess just staying on the wide pan view of this for a moment, I, I guess that the argument for freedom of movement with the EU uh, is that it has all sorts of benefits, but this sort of situation, an emergency, uh, an infectious disease crisis, seems to justify caution. But then you might start the debate over what other issues also justify caution, like, for example, economic troubles and trying to protect local populations. And then you can sort of enter some of the Brexit uh, debates. Exactly. And and that is the the trouble. So if you recall, during the 2016 refugee crisis, uh, EU member states took completely different uh, positions on uh, whether to allow refugees in or asylum seekers in or not. And and uh, so the EU was no longer one uh, single market because the, the member states took completely different positions. I think with with something like the coronavirus outbreak, uh, there is some justification in, in each country wanting to protect its population. But it's definitely, it goes uh, against the, the spirit of the EU, as, as you said earlier. And in maintaining the spirit of the EU, how has the Union's Emergency Response Coordination Centre been standing up to this disaster at this point? So the the centre itself has done very well and has forwarded uh, the request or the appeal rather from from Italy, which was logged many weeks ago by Italy when, when it asked for medical supplies. And, and so the, the hub in itself doesn't have any power. It just uh, monitors crises and, and forwards appeals by member states when they need help. And usually that works well, and member states, member states step up to the plate and, and help in whichever way they can. But with this particular appeal, um, Italy um, logged it, and not a single country responded uh, for many, many weeks. Now Germany has finally uh, begun to help, but for a very long time, nobody was willing to help Italy, which I think is a disgrace. So Italy has been worse affected so far globally. I guess the argument from these other countries is their own numbers are rising fast. And some of them seem to be just a few days behind Italy in terms of even deaths and overall infection toll. So is there an argument that they, you know, look very bad for them if they were to provide significant help to another country and then be criticised by their own people for not saving something in reserve? 
well, there is, of course, the argument that each country needs to look after its, its own population first. But when Italy logged that request many weeks ago, that the outbreak wasn't very bad yet in other European, other EU member states. And um, that would have been a case, I think, a moral case for helping the Italians who were really by far the worst affected at that point. And also, I think, uh, a very selfish case because... Uh, the, the more the crisis could have been contained in its early stages, the better it would have been for everybody. And there's another aspect, which is that a number of EU member states are still not very badly affected by the virus outbreak. So a number of Central and Eastern European countries are, are actually not uh, having that many uh, coronavirus cases. Obviously, uh, I, I wouldn't suggest that, that Spain should send supplies to Italy, but a number of Central and Eastern European countries are actually not that badly affected yet. But uh, as things stand now, Germany has, has sent some supplies and is taking a, a few patients. But other than that, um, uh, complete lack of solidarity. Yeah, it's interesting because here in this region, we don't have a union, say, with China uh, at all. But there has been a strong political desire to appease, I think, Beijing on South Korea's part. For example, donating masks quite early on in the outbreak to China, although that did draw some domestic criticism. And, And part of that is, I think, driven by the desire not to upset China and to be remembered by China for their help. Conversely, how sorely will Italy remember the lack of support, do you think, when this is all over? And how might that drive anti-EU sentiment when, as you said in an article you wrote for Foreign Policy magazine, Italy has already had a taste of Europe's lack of solidarity? Well, it's an excellent question. And and the result will be enormous... Uh, anger and resentment, not to, not towards the, the European Union institutions, which have uh, those institutions have have done their uh, best to try to help, but towards other EU member states. And it would have been so easy to send a few supplies uh, at, at that early stage, or even later for some countries. It wouldn't have cost them very much, and then the the domestic public opinion at home. I don't think most people would have even noticed if some of these countries had sent the Italians uh, you know, a few uh, thousand face masks or, or uh, some ventilators. But the political price of this is incredibly high because now Italy again feels, uh, or it, the Italians, uh, many Italians feel abandoned by the European Union. And uh, if this was the first time, I guess it could be, uh, it, they could sort of stomach it. Stomach it. But this uh, comes after uh, another experience like this, namely the, the refugee crisis when EU member states failed to help Italy. Um, so it's, it, the political price will be very high. And the political price is that uh, Italy will probably align more closely with Russia and China. Um, and both of those countries have sent uh, Italy supplies, even though it wasn't particularly um, unselfish, uh, the, the Chinese uh, donated a bit and sold the rest and Russia sent supplies that Italy really didn't need. But still, they were seen, they are seen as having stepped up to the plate. Uh, whereas um, the EU member states, they, it's, it was a missed opportunity and it will have severe consequences. Would you see political motivations in what China and Russia have done there? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not like they are... Uh, like they're doing this for for, uh, some altruistic reasons. They saw an opportunity to uh, 
pry Italy, they have, they are seeing an opportunity to pry Italy away from from the rest of the European Union, and Italy has uh, is was already uh, on the more uh, sympathetic side towards uh, towards China and Russia, and now um, there was an opportunity to to, to further uh, gain or gain more Italian uh, affection through these uh, by sending these supplies, and that. Uh, that obviously serves both uh, Russia and China very well. Uh, the EU has been critical of both uh, countries, and uh, if you have one member state that that says, "Oh no, we shouldn't take a, a harsh stand on on either China or Russia, whatever the situation is," actually, that's incredibly useful for for both of those countries. Um, when you look at other EU member states, Spain is very high up on the list, uh, and actually uh, is only second to Italy in terms of death toll. Spain has also exceeded China's now. And France looks like it's catching up. Britain, although now uh, after Brexit, perhaps is not so much of a consideration in this part of the conversation, also seems to be catching up um, a bit behind. What's your view on, uh, on whether Spain might be the next then to be kind of picked off by some of these outside EU powers? Uh, that's definitely the case, and China has already sent supplies to Spain. So it's it's a very clear power move by the Chinese. Um, and the only thing that can counter it is more European solidarity. And it's worth noting that the European Commission has just announced that because the member states uh, did nothing, the European Commission will now put together a, a stockpile of medical supplies that it can send to, to EU member states. And clearly, the Commission is concerned about how China and Russia are explo- exploiting the situation. So credit to, to the European Commission for, for stepping up to, uh, well, for stepping in to do what member states should have done. Yeah, if we look at um, polls, they do suggest that the vast majority of Italians, like maybe nearly nine in ten, feel that EU is failing to support them in this crisis. And um, nearly seven in ten would consider EU membership a disadvantage. Now, polls can vary and we should take them with a pinch of salt. But do you think perhaps this price that you described before that, that may have to be paid here could even involve Italy leaving the European Union? I don't think Italy will leave the European Union simply because it's uh, belonging to the Eurozone and well, having the Euro and, and having free movements within the EU is an enormous benefit to Italy. And, and without EU membership, it would be a struggling economy. But what we'll have, what we'll get is uh, a major EU member state that's uh, a very unhappy EU member state. And that is uh, that is uh, not just a tragedy, but actually quite compli- complicated matter to handle for the EU because the EU, as you know, uh, operates on the basis of uh, consensus and, and all countries have to, or member states have to agree uh, when when the EU makes its decisions, yeah. um, when the European Council makes its decisions. So if you have one country that it takes a, a very different stand from, from all the other countries, that will really uh, affect the EU's uh, uh, ability to, to uh, make policy, and, uh, and especially to make policy towards China and Russia. 
Yeah, I mean, we might remember an irony, another irony here, that very early on in this outbreak, Italy was the first European nation to uh, to stand up against uh, travellers coming in from China. Uh, so it, it's... Perhaps they'll remember that um, a lot of people are making decisions based on self-interest and sometimes it backfires. Sometimes it's better to hold together as a, a union, get support from each other. Do, do you uh, think that Britain's example, though, is going to be very important? For example, if Britain comes out of this looking better than it might have done if it had remained in the European Union, that could turn some heads. Likewise, if, if Britain is crushed by the combination of Brexit and its economic repercussions, plus the global downturn that seems to be happening, uh, that could also be influential. Indeed. So uh, the UK is is obviously entering uh, uncharted territory uh, now, facing coronavirus and Brexit at the same time. Um, Even if if, uh, the UK emerges relatively unscathed, I think uh, every... Uh, every single EU member state will be very grateful that they are part uh, part of a union where they can count on European institutions to shore up their economy if things go terribly wrong. And that's what the European Commission has already done with Italy, whereas the UK really has nothing. It can't turn to a single organization to help shore up the economy if, if things go really bad. What about the European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde saying on March 12th that the ECB was not there to close spreads and it caused this mass sell-off, a sharp rise in Eurozone government bond yields and hit Italy especially hard. That didn't go down very well in Italy. No, and I think uh, it may have been a, a mistake by Christine Lagarde to say that. Now, obviously, she's not an, an economist and she's uh, she has just taken on that or just just taken over the leadership of of the ECB, so it might have might have been. I mean, I I I, I wouldn't say a, a rookie mistake, but it might have been just a um, an early stumble in her tenure at at the at, at, at the ECB, because clearly she uh, what she says <laughs> carries a lot of weight, mm. uh, positive and negative, uh, on the markets, and I don't think we'll see. Uh, similar pronouncements from her again, simply because it, it was it was not uh, a particularly wise thing to say politically, and it was clearly not a good thing to say from a from a, a market point of view. Elizabeth Braw, senior research fellow at the Royal United Services Institute for Defence and Security Studies. Thank you for offering us your analysis this morning. Thank you for having me.